Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it'll help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. On Wednesday for the holiday, and also Pastor Pat will not be leading Walk, Talk, and Pray. You may walk, talk, and pray on your own, but Pastor Pat will not be leading you. Um, also, the t- July Shepherd's Horn is available either in the lobby or you can access it online in live and living color. In that article, in that horn, there is an article about 55 bucks. Want to make a correction? They jumped the gun and advertised next month's program, which is going to be the Grand Old Theater's luncheon on August 7th. But this week on July 3rd, our very own Ken Holt will be leading the 55 plus in some patriotic songs. And so that's right. It's going to be a good one. We're going to talk about all the uh, patriotic songs that we have in our American canon, and then all the silly stories behind all the stuff, like how Star Spangled Banner is really a drinking song. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, finally, our youth will be returning tonight. They've been in Houston all week. 22 kids, four adults. They're coming back about 9 o'clock tonight. It's a youth gathering in Houston. If you have not been following on Facebook, you have been missing a lot. So listen, what you want to do when you get home or during a slow time in our service today is if you have an account on Facebook, look up Good Shepherd Lutheran in Cincinnati, like our page, and you will be able to uh, catch up on all the things that the kids were up to this week. So there's your assignment. May God bless First reading is from Lamentations. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those who strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. For he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. Here ends the reading. The second reading comes from 2 Corinthians. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine 
your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that by his poverty he could make you rich. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion of what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you what you when you need. In this way, things will be equal. As Scripture says, those who gathered a lot have nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. Here is the reading. We stand for the reading of the gospel. this morning comes from Mark, the fifth chapter. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to, to pay them, but had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing in on you. How can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw how much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. 
And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. Here ends the reading. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Holy Spirit who inspired us all. Amen. So for the past couple of weeks I have been praying for two longtime friends of mine as each of them have lost their only son. For my high school friend, Tara, June, the second half of June is always a challenging time for her because it marks the anniversary of the death of her son, Nixon, who was killed tragically in an accident a few years ago. He was just 18 years old. And every year when that anniversary date of his death rolls around, she's hit with a wave of grief. And so I often find myself praying for her at this time of year. I've also been praying for my college roommate and friend, Lisa, who lives in North Dakota. Her son, Carl, died just two and a half weeks ago from a heart condition they only just recently discovered that he had. Carl had just celebrated his 24th birthday. He was an accomplished musician, a recent college graduate, and had gained some notoriety in the sport of curling. Needless to say, my heart has been heavy for these two friends of mine. And it has been as I was thinking about them that I read our gospel lesson for today. And in this story, I found a word of hope, I think, for them, for all of us, as it shows Jesus tenderly offering care to another parent who is grieving. In the story, Jesus is being followed by large crowds of people, and as he travels along, a man named Jairus comes and falls on his knees in front of Jesus. Mark tells us that Jairus is a leader in the synagogue, and so he's a man with some power, with some prestige. He has a place in the community, and so I'm guessing because of that, Jairus is not accustomed to kneeling down in front of other people and begging them for help. But his actions make sense when we realize that Jairus is a grieving and desperate father, and desperate fathers do desperate things. His little girl is sick even to the point of death. And Jairus didn't know what else to do, and so he came to Jesus and he throws himself on the ground and begs Jesus to come and lay hands on my daughter. You can make her well. Well, as I think about Jairus, I see the faces of my friends, Tara and Lisa, and the weight of grief that they are carrying. And I understand how desperate Jairus was. A parent's grief is potent. And Jesus is moved by this desperate situation that Jairus is in, and he agrees, yes, I will come to your house. 
But while they were on their way, some messengers came and they said, your little girl has died. There's no point in bothering Jesus with this anymore, they say. There's nothing that even he can do now that the girl is dead. We can't blame them for saying this, really. I mean, experience tells us when someone is dead, they're dead. I mean, why not send Jesus on his way so that he can go and maybe help someone else? Now, I'm sure they said all this gently and with good intentions. Even though the last thing that Jairus needed in that moment was to have Jesus abandon him. I'm sure they meant well. In my years as a pastor, I have heard people say things to those who are grieving, things that I'm sure they intend as well-meaning, but I think sometimes are not helpful. One common thing they do is they assign responsibility for what has happened to God. I wouldn't be at all surprised if some well-intentioned people said to Lisa or Tara or Jairus, it was God's will. It was a part of God's plan that your child has died. God needed another angel in heaven, they might say. Or God has his reasons for making this happen. But is death really God's plan? Does God cause parents to grieve, or does God comfort parents in their grief? I think in this story, Jesus is revealing to Jairus and to Tara and to Lisa and to all of us that death is not God's plan. God's plan is resurrection. Jesus looks Jairus in the eyes and he says, do not fear, only believe. And he goes to Jairus' house into the room where the little girl was. He takes her by the hand and he says, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, get up. And she gets up. And Jesus gives her back to her father and her mother. In this story, Jesus is giving us a glimpse of God's plan. <coughs> and God's plan is not to cause premature or tragic death. God's plan is life. God's plan is resurrection. God's plan is healing. God's plan is not to create grieving parents. God's plan, God's plan is to comfort them in their grief. But there's a couple of ways that I think this story speaks to the situation of my grieving friends and really into all of our lives. First of all, this is a resurrection story. The, the resurrection of this little girl gives us a foretaste of the resurrection Jesus will experience after his death on the cross. And we see in this story that God's plan for that little girl and for Dixon and Carl, and for all of the people that we know and love who have died, God's plan is life. God's plan is resurrection. Listen, if death could not hold Jesus in the tomb, then death is not going to be able to hold us in the grave. This is core to our belief as Christians. My hope for Tara and Lisa is that they hear this word proclaimed to them, that the grave cannot hold their sons. 
hearing a word of resurrection for their own lives right now. A word of hope, healing, and resurrection. I'm struck in this story about how Jesus goes all the way to Jairus' house even after the word of the little girl's death comes to them. He doesn't abandon Jairus in that moment. Jesus walks with him all the way to his house to show him that God's love is more powerful even than death. This fills me with hope as I imagine my friends walking this road of grief and knowing that they are not walking alone, that God is with them. I mean, think about it. God knows the pain of losing an only son. God is walking with them. No matter how deep their pain, God can meet them there, just as God can meet us in the depths of our pain. So listen, as I was writing this, I wasn't just thinking about my friends, Lisa and Tara. I was also thinking about all of you. I know that some of you are on this road of grief right now. Maybe it's a road of grief because someone beloved to you has died. Maybe you're experiencing other griefs, the, the loss of a job the loss of a relationship. Maybe in the process of aging, you've lost some mobility, some ability to do the things that you love to do. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a dream that just never came to fruition. No matter what you're facing, in this story of Jesus walking with Jairus, there is a promise that God is walking with you. God can speak that word of hope into any desperate situation, including yours. We are about to share a meal of bread and wine. This meal Jesus gave us so that we would have a tangible promise of his presence with us, right? You're going to receive this bread. You're going to receive this wine. You can touch it. You can taste it, you can smell it. And in this bread and wine, Jesus is saying, I am going with you. Words were not enough. Jesus gives us this tangible gift of bread and wine. This is my body, this is my blood. God does not abandon us when we need him most. He goes with us into our darkest places. That's why Jesus took on flesh, to reveal God's love for us. And Jesus went to the cross to give testimony that the graves will all be open. God came to give us a glimpse of God's plan. And God's plan is for life and resurrection. One day, Jesus will take us all by the hand. And Jesus will say, Get up. Get up. And in that moment, we will know. We will know the joy of God's resurrection plan. Amen.
Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.